This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. On Saturday, the 22nd of September, 2007, Matt and his much older partner, Michael Atkins, had gone clubbing at the Ark nightclub and then left together in the early hours of Sunday, the 23rd. It was a typical night out. Matt and Atkins had an argument during the night, which was also fairly typical for them. Atkins was trying to hold on too tightly and Matt was pulling away. Matt sent a string of messages to a friend regarding Atkins's behaviour. He's taking me home and won't let me stay. He needs to get over himself. And then Matt was gone. But it would take almost three days before anyone could notice. In the meantime, Michael Atkins sent his boyfriend texts. I woke up and you weren't in bed. Where are you? Atkins continued to send messages throughout the day, both to Matt and to their friends. Just a note here that we are going to use court-given pseudonyms for some of Matt's friends when we refer to them. At 7.48am on Monday the 24th of September, Atkins sent Matt a text message. Good morning, baby. How are you? I woke up and you're not in bed. Did you go out to Ark with Bob and Ken? Just let me know where you are, please. Miss you. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Later that morning at 11.41am, Atkins sent Matt another message. Hey baby, how are you going? What you up to? If you're asleep, give me a call as soon as you wake up. Kiss, kiss, kiss. At 1.14pm, Atkins texted Bob Gray to ask if Bob and his boyfriend, Ken Carter, had been with Matt at Ark the night before, which was the Sunday night. After receiving Atkins's text, Bob sent a text to Matt that suggests a willingness to cover for him where Mike was concerned. Hey, Mikey messaged me and asked if you went out with me last night. Did you say you did, or...? On that Monday, Atkins texted while he worked at his job as an electrician. After he finished work, he visited a sporting goods and clothing outlet store. Atkins bought a pair of Red Brooks running shoes, size 10 and a half, with cash. Once he was back in his car at 5.26pm, he texted Matt again. Baby, will you please call me? What's up? Kiss, kiss, kiss. Around 6.20pm on Monday evening, Matt's older brother Pete and his girlfriend were shopping in their local Woolworths supermarket. Pete spotted Atkins, who was wearing camouflage cargo pants and a tight, light purple or lilac polo shirt. Pete approached Atkins, said hello and asked where Matt was. Atkins told Pete that he didn't know. He and Matt had fought on Sunday, and when Atkins had woken up on Monday morning, 
Matt had already left the apartment. Matt didn't work Mondays, so Atkins said he wasn't sure where he'd gone. They talked a little more and then continued on with their shopping. At 7.43pm that evening, Atkins sent his final Monday text to Matt. Baby, where are you? You got to work to Moz. Call me when you turn your phone on. Kiss, kiss, kiss. At 7am Tuesday the 25th of September, Atkins sent a text message to Matt. Where are you, baby? I'm really worried now. Matt worked Tuesdays to Saturdays at the NRMA office and was due to start work at 9am that day. It was when he failed to arrive that people began to worry. Till now, no one in Matt's wider circle realised he was missing, but his boss and colleagues would quickly grow concerned. His employer called Mark and Faye on their home number. Matt's younger brother Jason was homesick that morning and answered the call. Jason said Matt wasn't there and he didn't know where he was. Then Jason crawled back to his bed. One of Matt's co-workers phoned Atkins to find out where Matt was. She was the same colleague who had had lunch with Matt on Saturday and was privy to Matt's dissatisfaction in the relationship. She also knew that Matt was thinking of leaving Mike. When Atkins answered the phone, she asked if he'd heard anything, and she was blunt. She said, Mike, just tell me what happened. Did you have an argument? Was there a tiff? No, Atkins said. They'd gone out. Matt had a bit too much to drink. He didn't want to come home, but they had. The colleague was worried. Had Matt drunk too much? Could someone have spiked his drink? Atkins was non-committal. He didn't know if Matt had gone off with friends, didn't know if he'd taken any clothes with him, didn't know if there was a bag missing. In the end, Atkins promised to call her if he heard anything. Around 1pm, Faye Leveson called Jason to check in on him, and that's when Jason mentioned Matt hadn't turned up to work. Alarm bells sounded for the Levisons. After the last time Matt did this, he promised never to do it again. His dad, Mark, just didn't understand. Why would his son not turn up to the new job he loved? He worked at the call centre and he had uh, Sunday, Monday were his weekend days. Jace was home with glandular fever and she was ringing the check on Jace on the Tuesday morning. And Jace just mentioned in passing, oh, oh by the way, Matt's workers uh, rang to see why he's not at work. This is his new job at the call centre in NRMA, and he loved it there. So what the hell is he not doing at work, and why hasn't he even called them? And uh, they'd called twice to see why he wasn't at work. So we started ringing around Matt's friends, Atkins we'd rung, but we had no answer back at that stage. Faye's call to Atkins went to voicemail. She left a message for Atkins to call her back, and then phoned an RMA insurance and spoke with Matt's manager. Faye was surprised to hear from the manager that Atkins had already called Matt's work twice that morning. About 45 minutes later, Atkins finally returned Faye's call. Atkins briefly explained that he and Matt had a small tiff on Saturday night, that they left the club early, and the two went to bed. Atkins told Faye that Matt was not at home when he woke up late that Sunday morning, and that Matt still had not arrived home when Atkins had to leave the house for work on the Monday. Atkins told Faye that Matt mentioned he might be heading out that night with Bob and Ken. He also said that Matt had disappeared before and that he hadn't been concerned until Matt failed to turn up to work. 
But of course, as far as Atkins was concerned, Matt hadn't disappeared before. Because that time, he was with Atkins. Only his family didn't know. And it took a while for him to get back to us, and uh, people hadn't been seeing Matt. And uh, Atkins said, what was his, he'd gone off to a he'd friend's place. He'd gone to his friend's place that he goes every Sunday night. Again, we're none the wiser. And, uh, and by that early evening on the Tuesday, we're getting a lot of reports back from friends. No one's heard from Matt. After Faye finished her call with Atkins, she phoned Matt's mobile again and left a message on his voicemail, telling him to call her. Later on that Tuesday, Peter and his girlfriend drove around the Darlinghurst area to look for Matt. That evening, at around 9.30pm, Peter went to Atkins's apartment and spoke with him briefly to see if there was any news about Matt. But there was still no sign of him. Later that evening, Mark phoned Atkins, asking him to meet him and Faye at the police station in order to report Matt as missing. Atkins was reluctant to go, and it took Mark a couple of calls to get him to agree. Eventually, Atkins met Mark and Faye at the Sutherland Police Station that night at around 11pm to make the report. Quite late on the Tuesday, we, I rang Atkins and said, look, we're going to go to the police station and report Matt missing, so uh, you're the last person we know to see Matt, you make sure you're there. And he wasn't real concerned, you make sure you're there. And so he'd come down reluctantly to the police station and as they said, we spoke to the young constable at the counter and gave him the details. Just before the three walked into the police station, Atkins told Faye and Mark that he woke up late on Sunday afternoon to find Matt gone. This was different to what he'd told Faye earlier on the phone. He said he'd woken up late on Sunday morning and Matt was gone. The missing person report was made to an officer behind the counter at the Sutherland Police Station. Atkins was nervous, pacing and sweating. During the report, the police officer asked Mark, Faye and Atkins for some basic details, such as their full name and date of birth. This is when the Levisons found out Atkins' real age. And the way he revealed it was pretty odd. And we're at the counter and he's walking up and down like a cage lion and he's sweating and he's clammy. And they asked us our details, name, dress, blah, 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 and we gave it to them. And then they asked Atkins, he slides a bit of paper across the counter with all his details on it. I well, can't. written and my, I wear glasses, but from, from that far away I could quite clearly see date of birth, 6th of the 4th, 63. So he's only five years younger than me and three years younger than Faye. This confirmed what Mark and Faye had thought from the beginning, that Atkins was much older than what he claimed. At the time of reporting Matt missing... Atkins was 44 years old, not the 30-something that Matt thought he was. At the police station, this was the story Atkins told. Matthew and I went out on Saturday night, being 22 September 2007. I wanted to leave early, which we did, but I don't think Matthew was happy with leaving. We got home, but did not say much to each other. We woke the next morning and everything seemed fine. I was talking to Matthew and he was talking to me. This was yet another different version in a short space of time that Atkins had given regarding the last time he saw Matt. Atkins told the police that he had last seen Matt between 8 and 9pm and that Matt said he was going out with friends in the city as he didn't work Mondays. Atkins said he also thought Matt wanted to go out again because Atkins had made him leave early the night before. When asked if they had had any major fights or disputes, Atkins said... 
No, our relationship had been going fine. We have never fought or had any problems. When Matthew didn't come home on Monday, I thought he may have been staying with some friends, but it wasn't until his manager at work called and said that he had not turned up at work on Tuesday that I became concerned. I then got in contact with Matthew's parents to check if they had seen Matthew. This change of story regarding when Atkins had last seen Matt surprised the Levisons. It was now the third different version he had given in less than 12 hours. The Levisons were unaware that when visiting nightclubs, Matt took party drugs. They were shocked when Atkins confirmed to the police that Matt had taken ecstasy on the Saturday night or Sunday morning he was last seen. The guy behind the counter, he said, oh, was there any drugs involved? I said, oh, no, no. And Atkins goes... Well, actually... Well, actually, eckies. I don't do them. It's all Matt. Well, what's an eckie? We, we're going, what's an eckie? I don't know what an eckie is. And the, the, the cop, his words, it's a party drug. Don't worry, it's only a party drug. And I said, yes, I will worry. At this stage, Mark and Faye had no idea that Atkins sold drugs as well. And did you get the sense at that point that was a regular thing? The way that Atkins... Yes. Mentioned it. He, he it, rolled off as though was, uh, uh, oh, yeah, is it? That's like, I, a matter of fact, I told him not thing. to take it. I don't do it, but I told him not to take it, but he does. Outside of the police station, the Levisons confronted Atkins about Matt's drug use. Atkins denied any complicity. He said he had tried to tell Matt not to take any drugs. Faye challenged Atkins that he was supposed to be the adult in the relationship. At this impasse, the Levisons and Atkins then left the police station and went their separate ways. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Levisons grew more worried by the minute. But while they set out to look for Matt in every place they could think of, it wasn't lost on any of them that Atkins didn't seem to look at all concerned. I might add there too, he never helped look for Matty. He was going to get off work early and go into the cross uh, around Surrey Hills with Peter and at the last minute, he said, no, I can't come. So he didn't go looking. Peter went in with his girlfriend, drove around. Mark went in. And he never once, once went looking for him. Gosh. And so Pete, did he knew that he was the last family member to have seen Matt at the club on Saturday night? Well, he knew he saw Maddie, but okay. he, at that stage he didn't know he was the last family member. I suppose yeah. he would have. Yeah. But, yeah, he just said goodbye to him. Just normally. Just yeah. normally and, yeah. and left. Before they went to the police station... The Levisons had phoned around first to check if Matt was with friends. They didn't want to panic unnecessarily. They wanted to explore all other options first. And the reason why we didn't go to the police straight away was 
maybe he'd been at a friend's place mm-hmm. like the time before. And at that stage we didn't know that that was definitely Atkins. So, of course. And did you have, was there a reluctance to report Matt missing this this time because of the previous experience when you had reported him missing? No, they were no. good. No? They were good. You the didn't first have the police for the first time. First oh, time right. They were good. Okay. The only thing I think we didn't go straight away was thought we, he might be somewhere. Mm-hmm. We'll just check first, and then we'll go to the police. A lot of friends check. So there's a lot of intel coming into us, so we'll wait and see what we find. And I one say, oh, yeah, we know where Matt is, but no, of course no one did. And so already by that night you knew it was serious enough. Yeah. You, yeah. yeah. Mm. I thought somebody would have got in contact with him if he was alive or not hurt. Somebody would have got and he would have got back to maybe not us. I rang quite a bit. Then I, I backed off and let Peter do it because I thought, oh, God, if he was alive, you know, mum ring, 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 he's going to say, oh, go away. So I thought, yeah, when he wasn't answering Peter, we knew we knew there was something wrong. And then what starts happening in your mind? What are you imagining? What are you thinking I think at that stage we were just we were just shocked and we didn't really think about it. All we wanted was to find out what happened to Matt. You know, was he alive? Yeah, that was the, that was the preoccupying thought was just the search and find for Matt. We didn't think beyond that at that stage. One of the first things Faye did was to check Matt's MySpace page. For those too young to know what MySpace is, it was an early social media platform that started a few years before Facebook. Matt hadn't updated his page, and that was a worry because he was usually quite prolific on the internet. He also used eBay a lot, and when Faye checked his account, he had quite a number of unanswered emails. This was very unlike Matt. By Wednesday the 26th of September, police at Miranda had taken over the investigation. Miranda was a closer station to where Matt and Atkins lived. They checked local hospitals in case Matt had been involved in an accident or was hurt, but they found no sign of him. At some point on Wednesday, Matt's phone had either been turned off or the battery had died, which meant concerned family and friends were unable to call his mobile. Text messages continued to be sent, however, including one from Atkins and one from Faye. At 10.13am, Atkins sent to Matt, Baby, no matter what happened, just give me a call. Please, baby. We all worried sick. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Faye sent one too. She told her son how she needed to hear his voice. She wrote, You can always come home. Love you no matter what. Kiss, kiss, hug, hug. Early on the Wednesday night, a young man, later given the pseudonym Craig Kerr, visited Atkins. Craig and Atkins had a friends with benefits arrangement before Atkins began dating Matt, and nothing much had changed after. They still saw each other for sex occasionally. Craig didn't know Matt was missing when he was invited over by Atkins. It took a while for Atkins to even mention it. When he did, he asked Craig to help him upload some photos of Matt for the police. Craig helped him as Atkins explained what had happened. It was now the fourth different version Atkins had given. Atkins told Craig that he'd woken around 1am on Monday morning and Matt was gone, as was his car, wallet, keys, phone and keycard. But something wasn't right. Craig could see Matt's keys and Louis Vuitton coin purse on a shelf in the kitchen, items that Atkins had just told him that Matt had taken with him when he left. Craig didn't raise this with Atkins. 
He showed Atkins how to attach the photo to an email and left soon after. In the very early hours of the following day, Thursday the 27th of September, about 2.30am, three police from the Sutherland Local Area Command attended a local sporting complex after being notified by ground staff of a vehicle left in the car park. On attending, they found Matt's car, a 1999 turquoise-green Toyota Corolla Seeker. It was parked at the Waratah Oval in Sutherland, just off the Prince's Highway, about 10 kilometres west of the Cronulla unit that Matt and Atkins shared. The Waratah Oval and its car park lies at the northern edge of the Royal National Park, a large expanse with thick forest areas, high ocean cliffs and low, dense scrubland. The location of Matt's car was also close to the Loftus and Sutherland train stations. At 7.30am, at the start of her shift, the police officer from Miranda Police, who was now in charge of the Matt Levison investigation, was told that Matt's car had been found. By this point, officers had already inspected the car. The inside of the car didn't contain much, except for a few food wrappers in the footwell of the front passenger seat. When police popped the rear door of the hatchback, they found one item that would change everything. A receipt from a Bunnings Warehouse hardware store. Inspecting the receipt, the police found that it was from the Tarrant Point Bunnings, about a 10-minute drive from where Matt's car was found at Waratah Oval. The receipt showed that two items had been purchased at 12.20pm on Sunday the 23rd of September, less than 12 hours after Matt and Atkins were seen leaving the Ark nightclub. And the items themselves rang alarm bells. Duct tape and a Garden Master brand Matic. After finding the receipt for duct tape and a digging tool, the police officer went to the Tarrant Point Bunnings and asked for their CCTV footage from Sunday. Reviewing the tape, the officer saw footage of a man entering the Bunnings and then later at the cash registers making a purchase which matched the receipt and the timestamp. The man completes his purchase and as he walks away from the cash register towards the exit, he can be seen carrying a long-handled mattock. Amidst their frantic concern about Matt, Faye and Mark Levison also had to look after their other two sons, Pete and Jason who, like them, were distressed and upset. They were all living on worry, a lack of sleep, and hope that somehow Matt would turn up. But when his car was found with the Bunnings receipt, things changed for them. Although the police wouldn't tell them that straight away. And they asked to come down and give them a statement. On the Thursday evening, which we did, we got there at 2.30 till I think it was 7 or 7.30, so it was was quite a long long time. time, and they... The detective grabbed Faye on the shoulders and said, look, women see far more things than men. We don't know him, which is me. Uh, we want, want you to tell us what, what you know. And so I sat down on the interview, but I didn't offer much because I was told not to. And they interviewed Faye for, oh, a good five hours. I'd tell them something, oh, no, we don't need that. So he was picking and choosing what was going in the And he spent a statement. great deal of time telling us, this first detective, that, uh, oh, I'm not homophobic, but I would never go to Mardi Gras. They won't, they won't get me into Mardi Gras. And um, and he was waiting to retire. Waiting to retire very soon, and he was looking forward to retiring. And we thought, why do we need to know this? But uh, again, you know, we were taught to 
to trust the police. They know what they're doing. They're the professionals. And uh, so we went along with what they were, they were doing. So this is in the first few days. So you yes. had faith in the police. My word, yeah. yes. Um, yeah. You, even though the fact that he was retiring in a few months and that he wasn't homophobic yet he'd never go to Mardi Gras yeah. was completely inappropriate, you still believed that they were competent and they were going My to word. do everything. Well, the, yeah. There was another female detective who kept coming in, have you finished yet? And she was really she lovely. She was wonderful. Okay, she was yeah. wonderful. And she said to me, after we'd given our statement, then when they told us that they'd found Maddie's car, you know, they said, look, we couldn't tell you beforehand, but we found Matt's car this morning because it may have influenced what you were saying. We needed you to not know that. And, and I guess in the, in the background too, they were checking out Faye and I because, you know, as my family, we were obviously were suspects as well. And then police dropped the bombshell that is every parent's worst nightmare. And uh, so we found Matt's car this morning uh, locked up at a, a park in Sutherland. Do you know Waratah uh, Oval? We said, oh, I don't think so. And we, we realised where it was. We said, of course we know. We get past all the time. And uh, that's where his car was found, just locked up. Uh, no signs of blood or a struggle, which was our first question. They said, oh, just locked up normally. And that was the first thing they'd found. And uh, we didn't know about what they'd found in the car at that stage. And uh, all that Atkins was being interviewed after us at that stage. We just went home. And, uh, and on, the, on the Friday, they told Faye and I that the, the case had been transferred to homicide. On the next episode of Maddie, the police informed Mark and Faye Leveson that they no longer considered Matt a missing person. A detective from Homicide tell us that we've got to tell you now that we're convinced we're looking for Matt's remains. Faye started to suspect that Atkins was involved in her son's disappearance. For the very first time, it made us feel like the police and us were no longer on the same side. And then he sat there and said to me, it was Matt's lifestyle that had him murdered. <laughs> 